Hey guys, so my guest today, I believe, has a very interesting life journey. He was working with Elon Musk in SpaceX, a space exploration company, during the times when this company was still a startup with 100 employees. After he realized that it's not his kind of thing, he took some time off and he just spent some time with himself. He wanted to really figure some problematic things in his own life for himself, and he wanted to try, he wanted to find a sense of direction in life. What I find intriguing is that the breakthroughs and the, real, the realization he had, he took and he used them in a creative way, and he created a comic franchise called Mania. And not only this comic franchise was, was successful, he was also invited to speak in a Comic-Con conference as a panelist in, in a panel discussion about mental health. And today he is a coach and he's helping his clients to discover passion and take their passion and take their lives to the next level. So welcome today, Jeremy Lassman. And enjoy. So I want to start with I want to start from the beginning. Um, could you share more about the the project that you were on on which you were working with Elon and how the things were going? What you learned from him? How how the cooperation was? Sure. Yeah, I uh, was brought on uh, in SpaceX back when it was a startup, um, and I started in the uh, IT department. So I worked with the the chief information officer on uh, servers. Uh, help desk troubleshooting um, and all the technology side back end for SpaceX and then as they grew I kind of took more responsibilities on the the marketing side of things and kind of was the the technologist for uh, video production uh, like the music videos the rocket launch videos uh, trade show videos and then the the launches like the webcast uh, when we stream the live launches I see. How big was the company back then? I was employee number uh, 110, I believe. 110? Like, like yeah. 110, right? Yeah. I see. Yeah. How, how was it? Like, what, what's, what was your personal experience with Elon? What... I, in, incredible. I mean, the, uh, the energy of the startup of, of like being the first, the first private company to launch a rocket into space. Uh, because prior to that, it was only governments and countries that were launching rockets. And so to be a part of a company that was doing something so uh, pioneering uh, was, was amazing. And, and just like the technology, the cutting edge, the, the uh, exploration of it, the energy of that. Um, and then Elon is just like so focused, uh, so on point on just like driving driving forward and not wasting time and uh wanting it better and better and like efficiency and uh it, it's it's an intense energy but the the passion is just through the roof yeah i guess you really have to feel it from like deep from deep inside the person that they really want to do it because to actually make a hundred people believe in the idea that something like this is even possible in terms of like financing and and, and the, like resources management and going against all the odds, that must be something enormous. Yeah, I mean, and Elon put literally all of his money into it. Like, uh, I've heard stories about like, he had to ask people for rent because he put everything he had into it. That's how much he believed 
that's how dedicated he was. And uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. I think this is, this is what happens when someone's vision is way beyond like the, the monetary satisfaction from it, right? Precisely. Totally. Did you have any, because um, I guess if, if someone works this hard for this long, it definitely has to have some downsides, right? Did you have any, any of these experiences or? Um, for me personally, no, because I, I wasn't a part of like the engineering team or like the launch ground operations team that had to work, you know, 24 seven, uh, you know, literally like 24 seven, uh, kind of energy, uh, uh, schedule because he yeah. wants everything done, you know, yesterday kind of thing. <laughs> So I, I definitely heard and, and saw people and, and had talks with people that were like, you know, burned out and, and things like that. Um, but for me personally, I, I was, I was like in the IT department. So I, you know, I did have some of the, you know, long hours and all of that. But for me, I, I, I didn't really get too bogged down within that. Um, and then just in my empathy for, for Elon, I, I could, you know, that, that's a lot of stress. To, to carry, uh, to be the CEO of, well, at the time it was SpaceX, but Tesla and all of the things that he was doing as the visionary, but then also the, the micromanaging. And you can tell there was a lot of stress, but I, I think he, he thrives in that. And, and, uh, and the vision, like you said, if the vision is bigger than, than the person, mm. then uh, anything is possible, right? Mm. This is like, it's an interesting thing you said that he thrives in it because it's such an amount of tension and it's such a huge game he plays in terms of he makes marketing announces of things that like he, he sets deadline for things that are not even like considered real yet and everyone talks about it and usually like like people are trying to avoid this so that the you know the the expect the, the expectation are not that high but he actually infuses it and yep. this creates such a high tension and he is able to work in this tension and still like remain remain calm and grounded it's very unique because i would say most of the time usually people are avoiding this kind of tension so to be yeah. able to ground all this it really takes an enormous psyche an enormous i would say wiring or i don't know how to put it yeah um totally like the uh i i can i can remember early in the early days when i was there the um you know we would have the launch date for november and then it would just keep getting pushed back and back, but there was always like that date, uh, but then the delays and, and all of that. So he, he does have an, uh, that ability to see that the dates and those announcements are, are like the manifesting energy uh, of his belief. Um, but like you said, there, he's very good at, at being unattached to it in a way that, it, that it's not connected to a, like a, a pride or like an identity of like, if I miss it, then I'm a failure kind of thing. Or if, yeah. if I miss it and everything is, is in shambles, it's like a, it's very good at just being that, that guiding force of, mm. of like direction. And I, I feel like, like you said it, he's, he's really good at that. Yeah. Um, I have so many questions uh, prepared for you, Jeremy, and I realized I didn't really introduce them in, in the beginning. So I, I'm, I'm going to do it now. So we already talked about, about your participation in one of the early stage of SpaceX projects and your cooperation with Elon Musk. But for those of you who are listening, Jeremy is also 
then Jeremy also created a groundbreaking comic franchise called Mania. And then he spoke at the Comic Con conference in California. I think it was San Francisco, right? San Diego. San Diego, sorry. And then he dove even deeper in the self-development and self-discovery. And today he works with imagination technology and he's helping people to get through their boundaries and to help them discover their passion and help them let go of their limiting beliefs from childhood through a unconventional, unconventional work, I would put it this way. And I want to talk about one thing that we that I remember. I realized actually back in the room when, when that we talked about this the, the last weekend in Barcelona, we talked about singularity on 22nd of February 2020 at 2222. <laughs> like, how scary is that? <laughs> so I wanted also to touch the topic of singularity and what are your thoughts about it, and, and so that like more people have understanding of how it works. Yeah. So. Tell me more how, how about how the switch happened from space discovery to moving into, into comic, the comic books and comic world. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was uh, amazing. Pioneers Live. I think we should let people know, like it was, uh, that's, that's where we were in Barcelona, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so after leaving SpaceX, I, I was at this point where almost like taking, taking stock of like, how, how did I get here? Where am I going? You know, those kind of uh, inner, inner questions where I, I didn't have any answers. And I had really felt like um, personally, I didn't have a connection to my own creativity. And I, and I, didn't know what passion was in terms of like what it was supposed to feel like uh other than like having loving technology and 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 that kind of energy of just like building my own computers but in terms of like the directing of it into taking ideas and, and bringing them to life i i felt like i had a disconnect there and so that led me into personal development and and early on it's like I want to fix myself like that's the uh that that's that's the approach is because you feel broken mm. uh uh when when you don't know yourself and when and when you have been living for other people and and being a people pleaser and being the good boy and mm. all of those kind of uh the nice you know, empath being an empath like yeah. sensitive and and you just you don't want conflict and i was facing all of that stuff and <clears throat> I, I started to do therapy and just really started to make a journal, meditate, all of that stuff. And there was this one idea that started to rise to the top, uh, a concept that any negativity, any suffering can be switched to the, the polarity can be switched to a positive by your outlook on it by being willing to entertain new perspectives. And I started to do that with my emotions, Start, started looking at things from a new angle and started to heal some of those uh, traumas, I guess you would say, like in, in terms of how, how shameful I felt about myself, my low self-esteem and, and just, yeah, feel like saying like, oh, I can, I can turn this around. Like there, there's a, 
there's a mechanism here. There's a muscle here to, to switch from a negative to a positive. And I felt like there's a message here that I would like to share to people, but I don't know how, how to do it because I had felt like if it was just me saying like, you can do it. It's like, there's no, uh, there was no energy for me, but it was just like, that was not what I wanted to do just to tell people what to do or tell people how it is. And I realized, oh, this is, this is how art, this is what you're supposed to do with art. But because I wasn't creative, quote unquote creative, I didn't know how to make it something. And so I connected with a, a writer who, uh, I don't know if, if you've ever played Dungeons, Dungeons and Dragons before, D&D. &D. Uh, once or twice only. Once or twice, but he's a dungeon master. He does like all the, the uh, world building and uh, leading the games and all of that. So he has a really mm -hmm. brilliant uh, world building mind. And I started to just jam with him for a little bit. And uh, it, pretty soon I, I shared my concept and he was like, that would be an amazing story. It would be an amazing uh, comic book is where we ended up. But the idea of turning disorder and, and mental illness, all of the things that you can't accept about yourself or that you think is wrong with you or that uh, is not normal, and turning that into a superpower. And that's where Mania was born, was, was that, that concept and taking that concept and, and infusing it into entertainment and into a story with these superhero characters and, and having that message be, the, the, be transmitted in, in that vehicle. And, and that, that's Mania because it's, uh, yeah, yeah. I see. That's pretty amazing to turn, like, to turn it around this way, to. And it's actually, it, it's, an, it's like, a, it's like an undercover help, right? Like, like, you know about this stuff from, and from, a, from a place of genuinely wanting to help others, but not really mm -hmm. being in a place to do that, like, like a therapist or a coach. You create a comic that's aimed at changing people's perspective so that they can look at their own stuff differently. That's yes. amazing. Yeah, without, without telling them that they have to do it or telling them how to do it. Like, that's how I feel personal development is best transmitted is when it's and, and it's left yeah. to the other person yeah. to make the dots connect the dots and and uh and and make the the shifts themselves because they're coming up with it themselves it's not like mm. i'm telling you what what to do or here's the right answer like it doesn't work that way yeah i have to say that my theory just got proven because like I had this like ongoing argument with my with some of my friends who are really believing in conspiracy theories. And I was I, I was trying to disprove that, but that's like a, that's like a fuel for the conspiracy theories, right? Like if, if if you try to argue. So then I turned it around and I started to argue that I also believe in conspiracy theories, but in a positive conspiracies. So there are people ah. cons conspiring to make my life better, and I don't know about that, and they are secretly plotting on <laughs> improving my life, and that's it. This is it, right? Basically. I love that. I'm gonna use. I'm gonna. I'm gonna use that. That's great. There, I just don't. There's conspiracy for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there are no arguments against it. <laughs> love it. I love it. Um, I I think I've read that after some time after some time of uh, of having mania in the market and and being there in the world, you actually spoke on on mental health in that Comic Con, right? 
yeah. How, how did this come together, man? What, did 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 it any did it affect your next development in, in any way? Um, it uh, came about just through some networking and a person on my team that was able to connect with uh, one of the the women that uh, is in charge of putting on some of the the panels for Comic Con. Because I, I don't know if you're familiar, but Comic Con there it's a whole weekend event and they have a whole bunch of panels uh, throughout the weekend. Um, and so we were able to just find this topic that, that had a lot of um, potential and, and, and shared it with her and, and they created it for us. Um, and we found some amazing guests, including myself, uh, to, to be on the panel. Um, and it was uh, amazing because it was, that, that, that's probably one of the biggest audiences I had spoke to up until that time um in phys in in physical like you know in uh in real life uh not just on a facebook live and having you know in the offline in, in the offline world yeah yes yeah exactly um and so yeah getting to share my message my mission uh my passion and then getting questions is, is my favorite thing is uh to answer questions because it's my uh human design but um but yeah, it, it was it was heartwarming because I got to see firsthand how it impacts people, uh, and and that like aha moment where where people are like, whoa, that is that is super cool. I can see myself in that. I can see that's what I've been doing. I've been learning how to do this and and how to transform what I feel is my struggle into my strength, and and that to me just it it hits my heart because like that that means that uh my art is is reaching people and uh and that it's influencing and 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 helping and i think that's that's what i want <laughs> yeah it it feels good listening to you talking about it like I, i can i can see that it's really coming coming from the depth of you and it's real for you and yeah it's i love to see when someone is doing some uh, is working in a way that's artistic, that allows them to go into their into their self-expression, and people like it in terms of like in terms of artistic perception. But at the same time, it gives value on self-development or kind of on, on healing past, changing perspectives, and improving their lives. Yeah. So, speaking of this, you mentioned earlier that you had these empath traits, or I call it I call it a nice guy syndrome which is like something most men today go through like avoiding tension avoiding conflict and not being aware of of our emotions so what helped you the most to get through this period of your life and, and to help you get out of it Oof. well i mean understanding and, and awareness is so important because when you're unconscious to it uh, i mean that's that's when it like really has its full force over you it's you, you you're like a victim to it um Oh, learning that what I was feeling as a highly sensitive person, the, the biggest awareness, the biggest light that helped me see something, helped me connect the dots and, and, and insight was the, the idea or the, the, uh, the vision that not every emotion that I experience belongs to me. 
once that set in and I was able to like almost be the sifter, the organizer of like, ah, some emotions are individual and are, are mine. And then also some don't belong to me. Some I've been a sponge and taking them from other people and pretending that, or not pretending, but falling to the illusion that they are my emotions. Because that's what empathy is, is the ability to read another person's emotions and take it on as your own. And when you're unconscious to it, it feels like every, everything that I'm feeling is mine and I'm being burdened and overwhelmed by all this sh shit. But once you can see like, okay, does this actually belong to me? Does this experience, does this emotion, does this feeling belong to me? And then you're like, no. All of a sudden now you're getting more space to just like, ah, like mm. to be sensitive, but to not overly identify. And that to me was the game changer for finding out what, what the craft is of sensitivity. And then as a craft, you practice and then sometimes you get uh, thrown to the ground and, and you fall, but then you get back up and, and you get better and better at your craft. And then all of a sudden now I'm using my craft to serve people and to support people by being that precision tool to, you know what I'm, I'm feeling in your field? Like, are you feeling this? And they're like, oh yeah, like, how do you see that? And I'm like, I, I, it's, I'm just sensitive to energy. Mm. So you can literally like, you, you, that's actually the point when you said that your what was the curse in the past that what what was dragging you down is now turning into your advantage and it allows you to help people through being aware of what's happening inside of them even though they're unconscious of it right, like right right through the superpower because like intuition and, and supernatural gifts and clairvoyance clairsentience uh all all of those you know things are if, if you're not aware of them, then they're going to seem like curses because all of that information, all of that data that you're processing, it's, it's going to take its toll if it's being processed through fear and confusion and all of that. But once there's love there and, and compassion and understanding, now it's like, ah, there's the tool. There's the, the, the focus of it towards... Uh, how how to use it for power? Yeah. Um, I had a question, but now I now I've lost it. Because in the meanwhile, what 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 came is that Tony Robbins is describing this as a as a as a personal meaning maker. That we all receive enormous enormous uh, amount of information and data, and in like just somewhere here, or let's say inside the head, there is a meaning maker that tra that transforms all this data into meanings and the meanings create the emotion so if you can change the meaning you can change the emotion anytime and make it more empowering exactly exactly that's that muscle mm. do you can you share some example from your life when you were feeling an emotion and you realized that it was not yours and it allowed you to release it and to get more control over over your surroundings and your own life yeah, let's see. Definitely, um, I would say with, with certain people, 
certain family members growing up, their pain uh, would definitely affect me um, in, in terms of like me taking it on as my own and, and commiserating with it. And my personality would almost uh, fuse or, or the, the chameleon personality would take on that pain as my own personality. That's how crafty it is. And so when I saw like the ability to understand their negative worldview from that new awareness and their pain, then I was able to have that choice of like, oh, I, that's not my pain. I don't need to, to take that pain as my own as a sign of my love for them. Mm -hmm. I, see. Uh, I see. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, yes, because they, when it's, when it's unconscious or, you know, when you're a child, like that's how the love bonds kind of entangle is like, my pain is your pain. And, and, and how I feel is how you should feel. But as you start to get older and, and more into your own power, it's like, do I really want this personality of, of negativity to be who I am? Because I didn't want to feel as negative and cynical and pessimistic uh, about life. Because I really, because of that negativity, I couldn't believe in spirit. I had no school spirit. I didn't feel a part of the community. I felt like a loner. Um, because I'm a pioneer of court leave, <laughs> yeah. uh, but then starting to own that more, you see like, ah, I can still love this person and not have to feel their pain, uh, firsthand. Yeah. And, and that causes some, some conflict and some drama, but you know, that, that's part of awakening and, and, and owning your power. I feel. Mm. Does that I answer see. your question? Yes, yes, it makes it makes perfect sense, and it reminds me of of one of one story from my environment where, where my my grandma she's like she's amazing she's the she's I feel like the, the the older she gets the more fun the more fun she is now she's eighty two, yeah. But I've noticed the pattern around her that used to trigger me a lot, and I would be upset and like I I would be feeling like she's taking my freedom away. But once I understood it. I also felt, felt very relieved. And what I think was happening there is that, that maybe growing up, she got used to the, she, she created this pattern or this meaning maker, let's say, that when she feels pain and someone sympathizes with her, that's an expression of love. Yes. So for her, like expression of love would get perfectly mixed with the expression of pity. And it's yes. funny how it, it's funny how it works both way and how like nothing is good or bad. Like it, it, it all, it has both sides. So my interpretation today is that when she was young, she was really craving this love that she did not really get. And because of this, she realized that when she goes into self pity and when she goes into pain, she can actually take this love from those around her. Like she, she can get this love. But the thing is that this circuit works both ways. So anytime she gets love today, she goes into self pity, mm. and that's that just blows my mind. How yeah. how it just like how it, it just sticks together, and I realized like this this was the hardest thing to admit that I'm doing the same. I was doing the same thing at times, uh, and knowing this was super helpful in actually in 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 being able to give and receive love more freely. 
that is that's a huge a huge realization it, like especially as sensitive empaths that that awareness to know how and where am i giving my power away to someone else and how do i take it back mm. Hey, this is a random question that just popped up. Have you ever thought you're weird? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know I am. <laughs> I'm asking because of my own experience. I'll share later, but I'm curious about yours. Did you ever have, like, did you ever struggle with that? Like, you had, like, serious thoughts about, like, okay, this is serious. Like, like no one's this weird. Uh, I mean, yes, the... Uh the the transformation or the journey of it was like growing up you try to fit in so like that was how i dealt with it is like uh, the attempt to fit in the the attempt to please people to get people to love you uh but as, as soon as i you know saw those patterns and and uh mm, like didn't need uh people to approve of me to love myself uh mm. like i didn't need validation or or like you start to face like oh do i need validation from others in order to feel good about myself like that journey uh, of transformation then is like oh no now i can just own own it fully uh and the people that will love me will still love me and, and the people that don't really resonate will will fall away um, and that's okay because I'm not giving my power away to mm. any, anything. Nothing and no one has power over me. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's exactly the same thing that, the, that, that I did. I, I, was always fighting, I was always fighting it, like not, not, really, <laughs> not really fitting in in past. And the moment you started to admit, like, yes, I'm weird. And I might be the weirdest you'll, you'll meet today. <laughs> that, that just makes it so much easier. Mm -hmm. And it releases the whole thing. Because in the end of the day, who's not weird? Like everyone is weird in their sort of way. Yep, yep, yep. So I want to switch now to, the, to your next big project, which is your passion today. And I don't even know where to start from because like you, on, on your website, you have, there are multiple, na multiple names for the work you do. I found like the field of passion, imagination, technology. So how does this work? Can you describe very briefly or like take as much time as you need to so, so that people can understand what is it that you're doing? Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> I always like to kind of start off by saying passion is my passion. So as a artist and, and as a scientist, like I, I see both sides of my brain kind of as, as the scientist and the artist kind of coming together. Passion is the the field of study that I have that I've been researching. So it, it, it is something that I look at as as a as a field of study that is going to help advance humanity and and help us evolve in an accelerated way. Um, so because I I, I true I mean passion passion to me is like where where it's like the most volatile but it's also the most fire uh for for uh for being alive <laughs> for being alive here on, on on earth um so from that uh imagination technology was was invented or or created however you want to call it um 
and imagination technology is, is comes from me being a big picture, the gifts of my big picture imagination. Uh, and the way that I look at the evolution of our performance, our brain, our consciousness uh, into the next levels. Um, so the easiest way that I could kind of paint, paint it is going from being animal, animal consciousness, uh, being animals, to like we intelligence evolved and, and became human. <laughs> uh, and, and then from, from human, now we birthed technology or the industrial revolution. And that was the, the technology, that was machines. Uh, fast forward to computers and, and machine technology with uh, information technology. So, so as uh, going from industrial to information based uh, advancement, right? Like the, what, the, what computers have allowed us to do and how it's accelerated exponentially, uh, our connection to the, of the planet being able to, I'm able, you're in Slovakia, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm able to have a conversation from America to Slovakia, like mm. live, like that's what technology has allowed us to do is it's connected and uh, made distance kind of irrelevant uh, in a way. And, and that's all from information technology. Like we're transmitting ones and zeros through the internet to be able to talk to each other right now. Mm. And, uh, and so that's, that's ones and zeros. That's binary or in the human sense, it's duality. And that's, that's where humans have been is in that self-conscious state of duality. But what's next? That's, that's what I've been focusing on in my pioneering work is like, what's next? And that's where imagination technology has come from. It's when we get out of the data and the information, the ones and zeros, and we go into quantum. We go into both ones and zeros, neither ones and zeros, and right in between, where it's not necessarily data anymore, but it's energy. Mm -hmm. I see. Um... There's a lot of stuff to take in, so I, I'm I'm I'm. <laughs> it's all right. I, I'm thinking about. So, do you think? How what what role do machines and humans, or and in these interactions between humans and machines play in this uh, development? Is it that the machines will go sideways and the technology will go sideways and it will continue just with humans being supported by the machines or there will be any any uh, mix in i mean like like fusion in terms yep. of how the future will look like or how 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 will it look like in practice it's a really really good question um so based off of the fear the, the, uh, I want to I want to say this as simply as possible. So, based off of the fears that come from the survival of the fittest uh, mentality or or operating system, which is the the, the primal animalistic protection of the body, right? Mm -hmm. We are separating human and technology, or human and machine, as like 
two separate uh, entities almost. And, and that causes a lot of fears because now we're talking in the, the entertainment, the media is like, okay, humans and AI become like these, what if AI gets too powerful and it like, it's gonna kill us all and we get those fear narratives and, and the meaning behind that, right? So when I say imagination technology, what, what we're really getting after in, in terms of the, the oneness of, of everything and the unity and the harmony is that looking at our body, mind, spirit, soul, flow, <laughs> the, the big picture of our multidimensional being. We're not just the body, we're not just the mind, and, and, and there's this beautiful architecture that creates a human being. Uh, that I see as a technology in itself. I see. That is it, biology, chemistry, physics, mathematics, it's a whole, it is a machine in, a, in and itself when we allow the metaphor to really expand. And so consciousness, consciousness as a big picture uh, field, if you want to call it that, it is one big machine. Nature is a machine. Technology is a machine and it's all coming together like you said, like a, a fusion or singularity where pretty soon we're going to have like, or it's, it's already here and Elon's working on one too, like uh, Neuralink implants so that we can connect more with technology and transhumanism as a philosophy and as a, as a, um, and uh, I was like, or, or with the military where, you know, if you lose a limb, they're able to put a, a machine arm on, on so that you can have mobility. Mm. And the, we're already doing it. It's already here where the machine integration with humanity is, help, is bolstering us and augmenting our performance and allowing uh, us to go through the limits of, of biology with, with that. Um, and so it's, that's going to continue. And, and when you're on love, when you see reality as love, it is going to be a collaboration. It's not a competition. That's the survival mentality is it's competition and, and scarcity of resources and fear and, and all of that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're awakened to more of the truth of love, you see that it's consciousness is collaborating with itself. And we're awakening with technology and technology is awakening with us. And it's all the same thing. It's all the same thing working together. I see. Wow, that's a powerful reframe. That's a powerful reframe. I, I, I think you, it's going to be quite hard to explain this to people who are afraid of their jobs being taken by technology and AI. Yeah. But, but I, can, I can see it in there. And now when you said that, how about the new definition of technology, I'm thinking about what, is, what actually is the distinguishing feature today between let's say humans and nature and technology if you take this as, as co-working or like co-op mutually cooperating systems 
who grows something out of nothing, let's put it this way. Yeah. And the only thing that comes in mind is that the nature has had been verified through evolution. And we kind of have this trust when, or I have this trust that when everything goes wrong and like the, the human race will be wiped out from the face of earth, the human, the nature will deal with it. And sooner or later, which might be millions of years, there it, it's gonna it will be blooming again. Like there will be forests and 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 birds and, and animals and stuff. While as I don't have the same feeling about technology yet, yet. So I, I wonder I wonder if we can actually get there. Or I don't know. What are your thoughts about this? Because like we don't we we there. I'm not aware of technological thing that would that would have this this feature that it's going to be sustainable, self-healing, and self-improving by itself compared to nature and like systems in nature. Yeah. So the again that dynamic creates the separation. So nature versus technology, it becomes a conflict because it seems like they're different systems. But if I ask you, what is the source of nature? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would What's say, I would say, well, that's, those are the, the, the big philosophical questions. And like here, the science and psychology meet spirituality, I would say so. Something like like oneness or the all the universe God whatever is yeah. the whatever is the technical term but like that which encompasses everything. Yep. Right. And and yes, it's philosophical, all different words, but real like and and we could use like consciousness to me. It, it helps to understand this because if we consciousness. Can, Consciousness yeah. is, a, is a synonym for me. In, yeah, that. good. So if we allow the, the spirituality to integrate with the science for a second here, because when we say nature, we're saying science. And when we say uh, spirituality, we're almost going towards that other side of like the technology of, of of the of, of the species but like allow me to get get more precise here is like if we can say that there is a source before this then it, nature and technology are coming from the same source i see so organic intelligence and artificial intelligence are coming from the same infinite intelligence and when we can grasp that then the separation is no longer real that that creates the like nature is so 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 far different than technology when it comes and converges into the same source then we see that if it's the same source then we just have to release the fear and all now we can go parallel and 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 that's where the collaboration comes i see i see it's a powerful reframe and i get it intellectually but emotionally it doesn't fit in yet <laughs> somehow yeah. Log the logic hasn't connected with the emotion <laughs> yeah the insight so it, yeah it's stuck somewhere in the middle of the hemispheres 
exactly for, for the moment but i it, it makes sense i mean logically it logically it makes sense i think it might be easier for people who are really into technology and who really are um on time with the latest advancements and who really have faith really have faith it's, in it and actually those are the people who will be creating the next level of technology who which can get us to the place that you're talking about yeah and and i i would just offer emotionally it, you know we're all only speaking in in metaphors but the when you use the word mind or the brain don't do you see that it is a computer it is and it isn't in my in my um worldview it is to the moment where when you're driven by the survival by the survival mechanism which is conditioned into you during the first years of during the first years of life and then it's being like re repeated again and again and again so mm -hmm. so the part of the mind that's designed to make us avoid things today which would cause us repeated pains from the past that is the that is the computer this is the computer part yeah. at the moment you cross that emotional level when it when when you don't feel emotions like like apathy sadness fear desire anger pride shame guilt and you go get into courage and acceptance and joy love peace these are the these are the places of creativity and i think this is where the self-realization happens when like the true potential i mean i don't want to say use true potential because it's just so many people use it but like the true essence of you like what is it that what is it that is really you can come out and this part is not this part is not as a computer i mean mm -hmm. you can always say it's a computer if it's a part of like a sort of a supercomputer like the consciousness we talk about mm -hmm. but that's again that's again based on the definition of terms if you can Right. Because I, I don't think computer can come with a creative solution because it's always based on some algorithm. And if it's, even if it's random, then right. it's like, even if you take like a random comb combinatorics and you create something out of this, it's random and that's not creative. I think yeah. like creation, creativity has a certain emotion attached to it that, that must, that must goes from, from somewhere. Oh. And I think I've completely drifted off your original question, but, but like, yeah, I, my thoughts no, you're totally on it, but at the, the, the intention of the question was like to point out that humans aren't just nature. Like if, if we can say that the mind is a computer, then we are already are part nature and part technology. I see. If, I if see. we take that metaphor kind of deeper into the emotional uh, uh, connection, uh, that in terms of allowing that, that, uh, whatever was keeping it intellectual for that understanding mm -hmm. to see like we're not as separate from the technology as we think we are as nature humans mm -hmm. i see so talking about these topics i yes. fr from your presentation back in barcelona i know that one of your one of the ways how you can achieve emotional releases trauma healing is the change of perception of time and actually yes. honest like like this is the part when i was not very clear on on how it actually works and i would love to to find out more from you how it actually what, what is your definition of time how time works and how you can use time 
to heal our psyche? Mm. Those are like five questions. I'm sorry for that. But... Yeah, no, I'll do my best. So time, chronological time is a tool to give structure and continuity to experience. Mm -hmm. It helps to understand the seasons, the, the moon, day and night. It gives structure and meaning to the earth traveling around the sun every 365 days, the rotation of the earth every 24 hours, like measurement. Time is measurement in, in consciousness. Mm -hmm. um, so with my work on taking this discoveries of Albert Einstein, who created the, the theory of relativity, the theory of general relativity, which unified time and space as one concept. Prior to that, space and time were, were separate. Uh, and people weren't aware of themselves within that construct. Mm -hmm. And because it was a very separating, uh, self-conscious based existence. And so what, with what relativity did is it allowed space and time to become one unified, uh, concept which totally changed the paradigm on on physics and and uh human the human paradigm so i'm standing on those shoulders and taking it like one step further and saying the hypothesis that the body doesn't exist in time Let me just, can, can I just make a, like a short note for yes. maybe for those who are not like who, who cannot jump into that so quickly or maybe yeah. maybe to check if I'm, if I'm thinking about it correctly. So the space time linkage lies in the fact that if you travel at the speed of light, the time stops. So if you travel through space at the speed of light, the time stops. So and if you, and if you travel through space in a very, at the very low speed relative to the environment, the time gets expanded, so one second can last. It, it feels as if one second lasted a year. This yes. is this is the space time. This is the space That's time. Right. Okay. So and and then you, okay. So and you can go on. How? Yeah. So the 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 one that really speaks to me and allows me to or uh, to grasp. Do you remember in school? The the last period of the day where you were watching that clock go to 3 p.m. or 4 p.m. and you were just yeah. like, when is this day gonna end? <laughs> yeah. And it just seemed like it was la like that last period was just lasting forever versus yeah. summer days when the days were just, you just were playing all day and it was just, like amazing, like, and, and the days just felt like they were 
like went by like that. Yeah. That's relative. Yeah. I've heard it if I, I've heard it in an, an example when you get your uh, finger burned, one minute feels like an hour. And when you're with hot woman, one hour feels like a minute. Exactly. 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 <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so obviously time relativity and our and emotions are very connected, right? So the hypothesis that the body doesn't exist in time is counterintuitive to how we navigate it and how our emotions and our memories and our uh, 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 the way we identify with the past and the future. Because I, I know you're in personal development, you know that if you're too identified and, and, and uh, obsessed with the past, it creates like uh, anxiety or the future. It creates like anxiety and stress because it's like you're, the time is you're, you're in the future. You're, you're operating in the future, so you're anxious. And then if you're too much in the past, it's like you're in the regret and, and, and all of that, and you're not present. Mm -hmm. Because we think we're the person in the past and the person in the future. But if you can take an experiment with this hypothesis that the body doesn't exist in time, all of a sudden now the, the amount of time that you're carrying can be examined and and released a lot more efficiently mm -hmm. because let's say uh you know there was a, a traumatic event in your childhood that was 30 years ago mm -hmm. that creates a mark and it creates like a like an anchor of of time there and all of a sudden now it's a burden that you're carrying in your shoulder or in your back or uh, you know, you have a pain that is because you feel like you're the, the person in time and you're carrying this time through years. Mm -hmm. And that's what creates chronic pain, chronic illness, mental illness, is because this time that you believe is real is being stored in your body. Ah, I see how. I see. Mm -hmm. and, and when you can see that the body is not actually in time, then that stuff can be brought and, and seen and, and seen for the illusion that it is, that it's just carrying the past with you. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in your body, you're carrying it, or in your mind, you're carrying it as like this bundle of energy that you feel is real. So you're yeah. making whatever that past memory is, it is real, but it's also not real from the sense of it's not here now. Yeah. Yeah. So is it, let, just let me see if I get it correctly. So when, so the, the view of this 
mechanics is following. So when a traumatic event happens at certain moment, let's say 20 years ago, so this event creates in space, it's realized as like some kind of muscle spasm, let's say, or some kind of like, let's say, uh, neural energy stored somewhere in, in the body. And it progresses and potentially grows with time, right? So if you can take the time away, you release, you release the, the, the space kind of, the, 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 I don't know how to put it, like, like, the, like the, the physical manifestation of, of what this actually cost. Right. It's like so, a container. Yes. So the way, and the way you work with it is that you release the time, you release the time element. And through this, the space element or the physical element removes by itself. Exactly. Which is like the opposite of what somatic therapists would do, for instance, that they release the physical element. And if they release the physical element, the time actually goes away by itself. It doesn't matter that it happened 20 years ago because now they're, they're in acceptance with it. Right. I see. It's super interesting. It's super interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's like a fusion of, of uh, physics and quantum physics with psychology, which is something I've never heard before. Yeah. Uh, I like, yeah, fusion is a good word, but it's a synthesis. Or synthesis. Because uh, like I taught, I, part of the talk was like, looking at the brain as, as the silos of knowledge and psychology is a part of, would you say it's a part of science or philosophy or psychology is a science, right? Would you say? Yeah, I mean, it's categorized as science. If you take, if you take the etymological view, like psyche is, uh, is the spirit in, yeah. in Latin, I think. So yeah. like the, the theory about the spirit, difficult to say. Yeah. So it's, it's about like looking at, I mean, and then logic, we have logic with that, but it's about looking at the brain holistically as how can we take down the separate silos of knowledge and let everything synthesize, mm. let everything play, let all information play instead of looking at the field of science over here and the field of, of creativity and, and, and all of that over here, or spirituality, and, and they're like separate camps that can't talk to each other. Yeah. But as soon as they can play, now psychology can, can play with spirituality and, and really make things way more efficient yeah. and fun. And I would say in the end, it creates simplicity. Like if you really have to find, if you really have to unify those, you need to find what they're based on together and then you can distill the principles and make things more simple. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if it's, I don't know who said that, but there's a quote, like if it's complicated, if it's complicated, it's most likely not true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Jeremy, thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed this interview. I have so many new impulses. I'll, I'll process in the next few days. Nice. And before we wrap up, for anyone who's listening, where can they find you or how can they follow you? Uh, yes. So they can either go to my website, jeremylasman.com or find me on Facebook. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm on Facebook. You can uh, direct message me there. Um, yeah. And I'm sure we can put them in the, the show notes as well. Okay. So thank you very much again and have a beautiful rest of the week. Thank you very much for this. It was awesome. See you later.